Hello. Oh yeah. I gotta turn this up in my headphones. There we go. Oh yeah. Wow. This is a thing, isn't it? What's the matter with me podcast? Oh yeah. Thank you for tuning in to the What's the Matter with Me podcast. Like that episode a couple weeks ago, I gotta say I admire you. The Godcast, the Dad Podcast. My name is John, I'm 43 years old, husband, father, small business owner, radio DJ, podcaster. And I have multiple sclerosis, so I made this podcast to share what I'm going through. I'm not a doctor, don't take it for medical advice. If you need medical advice, ask your healthcare provider. You can find everything out about this at what's the matter with me.org. Shout outs. Shout outs to Cobra Verde. Cobra Verde awaken to the greener side of coffee with Cobra Verde. An exhilarating all natural coffee drink that is refreshment in its purest form. What is the green? What is Cobra Verde drink? It's green coffee energy. Clean green energy you can rely on. Anyway, Cobra Verde is down with the What's the Matter with Me listener convention, listener appreciation party in, in some hotel ballroom in Chicago or, or a suburb of Chicago or just uh, an out-of-the-way neighborhood in Chicago. An out-of-the-way hotel. Anyway, he was down for the listener convention. Cobra Verde, shout out. What's the matter with me? Listener appreciation party. I had an idea about it. I went to a birthday party last weekend up the street. This kid was turning five. My kids went up there and they had some guy come over from the vivarium. I was thinking before I went up there about the the live animal guys on like the late night show. You know, they bring out monkeys and have them play around in Johnny Carson's hair. And I thought I should get one of those guys at the listener appreciation party. And you can get wild animal demonstrations. You just have to call the vivarium. They probably have a, a vivarium in Chicago. We're going to get a wild animal monkey to play through my hair at the What's the Matter with Me listener appreciation party. You guys, are you into Silk Sonic? Silk Sonic is um, Bruno Mars. I'm not like, I'm really not, I'm not up on pop music. My wife listens to pop radio. So here's a Google answer. Is Silk Sonic a real band? Silk Sonic is an American musical super duo composed of musicians Bruno Mars and Anderson Pack. Or Pack. I don't even know how to say that dude's name because I'm so out of it. Anderson Pack? Anderson Pack? 
Anderson Paak, I guess. The duo released their debut single, Leave the Door Open, in March 2021. And if you if you uh, look that up, that single on YouTube, one of the top comments it says, this is like if the uncles at the family reunion all got together and wrote a song. And it kind of is. It's like feel good. But I was like, my wife is going to dig this. Because it's like pop music. And I'm okay with the aesthetic. Silk Sonic, it's like a 70s singing soul R&B duo uh, with synchronized dance moves. So it's really all about the synchronized dance steps. There's not really a lot of newness to it. It has a lot of oldness, but they do a good job. I got to look that up. Is that dude named Anderson Pack or Pock? Anderson Pack. So there's only one Pock. You know, I kind of had a feeling there was only one Pock in popular music. There's only room for Pock. And Anderson Pack, it's cool. He's cool. Silk Sonic is cool. Enough for my wife. Ha ha. Okay. So, hold on. I got one more thing. I got another wife note here. I took this note last night. My wife requested that I stop bragging about how I can drink again. She was like, stop talking about that on your podcast. And I was like, come on. I'm so happy. She was like, stop talking about it. I got to stop talking about that. Shut up. Shut up. I got another... One of these J. Kenji Kenji Lopez alt uh, cookbook. It's called The Walk. And it's 4.7 pounds. So I got the Walk cookbook. And then I took a walk back to my car. And I brought it home. And then I was like, I'm never going to use this cookbook. Because I'm not into a walk. Because that's like a two-handed deal. You got to shake it and stir it. And that's not my thing. I'm I'm a one-hander. But it was 4.7 pounds. This is all part of my training to go back into the world again. Maybe the KFJC. Maybe just to be alive. I'm going to have to have a haircut in Oakland in not too long. I mean, I could tell by looking at myself. And so... I'm going to have to drive there. So I'm working out, right? Like I get these I get these giant heavy books from the library and carry them around and I'm getting back to speed. So the walk, it seems cool. My wife, what did she tell me? That when you heat up the walk, you don't heat it up with the oil in it. And there's been some demystification of why that was for her. They would say you heat the wok and then you put cold oil in the wok and then put the stuff in it and it would affect sticking or something. That was kind of the theory. Like a lot of cooking theory, it's not really based on science. It's kind of just a, a passed down truism. And in fact, it, it is true. The reason you, you should do that and not heat up the oil in the wok is that the wok is really hot. And you don't need to cook the oil in the wok. You just add the oil, add the stuff. Same time. You get the wok hot on its own. So I thought that was an interesting idea about the wok. Not interesting enough to try it myself but I heard the thought process I was like makes sense 
You guys remember last time I was talking about Half Letter Press, Mark Fisher's project in Chicago, and I was talking about protest Grim Reapers? Well, I bought it, man. It was only 10 bucks, like I said. And I got the the go-ahead. My wife was like, that sounds cool. You should get that. And I was like, I think I am going to get that. And I, of course, like I, I have un, unconstrained enthusiasm and I'm a collector. So I got protest grim reapers, hardcore architecture. It was eight bucks and it's staple bound. So it's like a real zine, but it's a full color photo filled booklet for public collectors for hardcore architecture hardcore architecture explores the relationship between the architecture of living spaces and the history of american hardcore bands in the 1980s band addresses in this booklet were discovered using contact listings found in demo tape and record reviews published from 82 to 89 in maximum rock and roll google street view was used to capture photos of the homes they found out where these demo tapes were recorded and took pictures of the homes where the recordings were made Hardcore Architecture is a project of Mark Fisher and Public Collectors. Hardcore Architecture, and I got the 11 by 17 issues, 9 to 15, and that's like 6 11 by 17 uh, risograph or full color digital two sided prints. They're kind of a, it's a weird idea to say, I'm going to publish a magazine. What's the format? It's going to be one 11 by 17 piece of paper printed on both sides. And I'm like, this is cool. So we got six of these. It was 14 bucks. My gosh, big spender. Anyhow, half letter press dot com. Mark Fisher. I scored you guys. I'm riding the recumbent bicycle again. I rode the bike twice this week and I rode the bike once last week and once the week before and I'm going to see about a third time maybe maybe that's pushing it Uh, but I'm going to definitely ride it two times next week so I'm growing I'm I'm getting out there I got that walk book I took a walk then I rode the bike twice I'm coming back alive. It's like coming out of a pool of water and like shaking the water out of your ears and all that and being like, what's going on out here? It was all water down there. I rode the bike twice and it was a good workout. My wife, my wife is big in this episode. She keeps coming up, but she's, she's always telling me things. And she told me about this high school professor. He kind of looked like Stephen Hawking. His name was Russell Holvek. He assigned one-page papers. This would and it, it frustrated people. He would say, "I'm not going to read over a page. One page, double spaced." And she was saying, "You're like this friggin' professor." And I was like, "I'm glad I'm here to confound your expectations." He probably had a funny hat. One-page paper. I'm not reading more than a one-page paper. 
You guys, one thing I read that was more than one page this week, a New York Times story that kind of freaked me out called Black Holes May Hide a Mind-Bending Secret About Our Universe. Spoiler alert, the secret is that the universe is a hologram. It's by Dennis Overby, and it came out October 10th. Entanglement is how a wormhole works, is that two things are somehow entangled, and that's that's quantum thing where it's one thing is both one thing and another, so it's two things at once. Leonard Susskind of Stanford University wrote in a paper in 2017, it may be too strong to say that gravity and quantum mechanics are exactly the same thing. But those of us who are paying attention may already sense that the two are inseparable and that neither makes sense without the other. As Daniel Cabot, a physics professor at Lehman College in New York, explained it, we're used to thinking that information about an object, say that a glass is half full, is somehow contained within the object. And entanglement means this isn't correct. Entangled objects don't have an independent existence with definite properties of their own. Instead, they only exist in relation to other objects. A pretty cool article, kind of blow your mind. I'm not going to get deeper into it, but black holes may hide a mind-bending secret about our universe. Cool article by Dennis Overby came out in the Times last week. Check it out and try and figure it out. I don't know. I'm looking at new TVs because I have a bunch of miles, you know, and I'm like, maybe I should buy a new TV with miles. And Consumer Reports is like, don't do that. You guys, John's Specialty Jeans, I, I the headline drew me right away. John's Specialty Jeans brings a personal touch to adaptive clothing by Hillary Muehlberger October 14th in New Mobility. John's Specialty Jeans provides wheelchair users with custom jeans ordered not just to fit, but to accommodate disability-specific needs. Two lifelong friends, Darlene Martin and Cindy Harris-Gillum, founded the company in 2020. Their journey with custom-fitted jeans for wheelchair users started 25 years ago when a young man injured in a bull riding accident called looking for a pair of jeans that fit right when he was seated. The two set to work. Since then, they have developed a range of customizable jeans for wheelchair users, including options like modified fronts to make it easier to access. John's specialty jeans adjust sizing on individual parts of their pants, front and rear waist height, waist circumference, leg taper, and more to make sure they look and wear how you want them to. We make jeans to fit each person. Longtime customer Patrick Simmons says that Martin and Harris Gillum are doing more than making jeans. They helped him feel like himself again. 
After Simmons was injured and left the hospital in 94, he lived in sweatpants. It just didn't feel normal. I was a jeans-wearing guy, and it was nice to find something that brought back some sort of normalcy, he said. They're from 75 to $105. Not too bad. So another, my wife, the specter of my wife is just hanging around this episode. The other day, a couple days ago, she told me, check out this article in the Times. It's about a uh, woman who studied doctors and found uh, the headline is, these doctors admit they don't want patients with disabilities. When granted anonymity in focus groups, Physicians let their guards down and shared opinions consistent with experiences of many people with disabilities. Lisa Itzoni, a professor of medicine at Harvard, wanted to understand why people with disabilities kept reporting receiving substandard care. I thought I needed to start talking to doctors, she said. These doctors admit they don't want patients with disabilities by Gina Colada, October 19th in the Times. Pretty interesting stuff. Dr. Itzoni is in a wheelchair. She started interviewing doctors over Zoom. For a quarter of a century, Dr. Lisa Itzoni, a professor of medicine at Harvard, has heard the same story during research with hundreds of people who have disabilities. Healthcare, that was substandard. Medical offices, they were not accessible. Doctors who did not treat them with respect. Everywhere I looked, there were disparities, Dr. Itzoni said. Yet, what patients told her was no surprise given her own experiences with multiple sclerosis and using a wheelchair. It was time for the next step. I thought I needed to start talking to doctors, Dr. Itzoni said. The study's findings published earlier this month in the journal Health Affairs, stunned one of the study's authors, Dr. Tara Legu, professor of medicine and medical social science at Northwestern University. It was so shocking, I almost couldn't believe it, she said. Okay, skipping down, they started organizing Zoom meetings, and they couldn't see she was in a wheelchair. So skipping down, while disability takes many forms, the doctors had much to say about people who use wheelchairs. Some doctors said their office scales could not accommodate wheelchairs. So they had told patients to go to a supermarket, a grain elevator, a cattle processing plant, or a zoo to be weighed. Or they would tell a new patient the practice was closed. One said he didn't think he could legally just refuse to see a patient who has a disability. He had to give the patient an appointment. But, he added, you have to come up with a solution that this is a small facility. We are not doing justice to you. It is better you would be taken care of in a special facility. 
They also explain why they could be so eager to get rid of these patients. Seeing patients at a 15-minute clip is absolutely ridiculous, one doctor said. To have someone say, well, we're still going to see those patients with mild to moderate disability in those time frames, it's just unreasonable and it's unacceptable to me. A specialist in one focus group said disabled patients took too much time, adding they were a disruption to clinic flow. Dr. Izzoni, and they're talking about how they did this the study here. Dr. Izzoni said she decided on anonymity for the doctors because she thought it would be difficult to get physicians to openly admit that they treat patients with disabilities differently and not only because of legal repercussions of violating ADA, they also don't want to come off as horrible people, she said. But rest assured, guys, they just an aside here, rest assured, this is all adding up to be horrible for us. August Rocha, 27, lives in Milwaukee. He says he has heard it all. Some will find every excuse not to see you. They will say our machinery isn't good enough. Maybe you shouldn't come in. Or they will have trouble examining him because they can't get him onto an exam table. They will tell him directly, I really don't know what to do with you. Maybe you should go elsewhere. He hesitates to complain. You want the doctor to be on your side, he said. And he worries that the doctor might spread word that he is a difficult patient, making other doctors spurn him. That's true, for sure. You want the doctor to be on your side. There are no easy solutions. One change which the National Council on Disability proposed this year is including disability in the data healthcare systems collect about their patients. Not doing so makes it impossible to track disparities in treatment and outcomes. We have data on racial disparities because health systems are forced to collect data on race. Dr. Legu said, and they go on talking about the doctor needs to know ahead of time they're seeing one disabled, a disabled person, so they have to be prepared for that exam. And then also the offices need to be accessible, like exam tables with adjustable height, scales that can weigh everyone, communication accommodations for those whose hearing, vision, or speech is impaired. Many patients also want doctors to have some knowledge about their conditions while appreciating a patient's extensive knowledge of how disability affects their daily lives. But that is just the start. When it comes to discriminatory thinking around disability, I know for sure that we have to change the culture of medicine, Dr. Legu said. So check it out, these doctors admit they don't want patients with disabilities, October 19th, 2022. 
you know, thinking about it. I read this article and I was thinking about how I rode my wheelchair to some recent doctor appointments before I came off all those anti-convulsant medications because I was a fall risk and I could sense that it was a little different. Being a chair user demands that you be like really loud and fierce squeaky wheel fearless but like many people don't want to go there but you have to go there to get the care you need and that's a really high bar and I think a lot of people are not going to do that and whether they're disabled or not they're not going to because it's too high of an ask The system needs to be reformed. And I think that idea about collecting disability information along with race and other information that's collected, that's an important thing. Because without that, there's no tracking of the outcome. There's no one to say, hey, this is not working. And it sounds like it's not working, but you would never know. Because the system pushes you away. It makes this crazy high bar. So I think it's right. The system needs some reform, some change. And I'm glad people are talking about it. Let me get the selfie. Yeah, there we go. Life is good in a selfie. Yeah. Life is good. Yeah. All right, we got the selfie. All right. We're in there. Thanks for tuning in to the What's the Matter with Me podcast. Doctors admit they don't want patients with disability. John's specialty genes. Thanks for tuning in. Find past episodes on what's the matter with me.org. Catch you next time.